Welcome back to the Pulse Back Society podcast. My name is Kyle. I'm an RN by test, unstoppable nurse by design. And today uh, I'm doing my first installment into a mini series where I go in depth into why we use certain medications to save uh, lives and use them during codes. So these are going to be sprinkled in among the normal episodes I release on Fridays. Um, and today is all about epinephrine. And I always say all things are possible with epinephrine. Epinephrine is the duct tape of healthcare. You can do <laughs> so many things with it. I need an amp of epi stat. There's always something I wanted to say um, before becoming a nurse. And what a letdown it was when I was in my first code. And I didn't even get to say it because someone was already handing them to me. All I got to say was one more of amp of epi given. How many more do we have? Is pharmacy here? Can they get us some more? And as nurses, we understand the critical role we play in the resuscitation efforts. And being knowledgeable about the medications involved is is quite crucial. Um, But I challenge anybody who takes ACLS the first time um, to understand why exactly we're giving epi. What is it actually doing to the body? Um, and in case of, in the case of cardiac arrest, um, really we're trained to think we just restore blood flow, we prevent permanent brain damage and using epinephrine, if you really go deep dive into the resuscitation sciences, you'll find that it's almost everywhere, whether it's used first or second or third or anything else. So one of the key indications for administering epinephrine during cardiac arrest in in the beginning is more about um, you're going to give this first for non-shockable rhythms, such as asystole or PEA, Um, and you're going to give it as early on in the resuscitation process as possible. We'll get into how that differs when we do shockable rhythms here in just a bit. So what exactly is epinephrine? Well, it's a synthetic form of adrenaline, which is a hormone that our body naturally produces um, for high-stress situations. Epinephrine is part of that um, fight-or-flight type of response that we're going to feel in our bodies, um, that adrenaline that we get. So it is quite remarkable the effects that it has on the cardiovascular system. When administering... During cardiac arrest, epinephrine works by stimulating two types of receptors in the body, which is the alpha and beta adrenergic receptors. These receptors are found in various tissues, including the heart, blood vessels, and the bronchioles in the lungs. So let's start with the alpha receptors. This leads to vasoconstriction. When these um, receptors are attached to by the epinephrine and That vasoconstriction is just a narrowing of blood vessels. This constriction increases the blood pressure and redirects blood flow back to vital organs like your heart and your brain. So as a result, the coronary artery blood flow is enhanced, helping to maintain that oxygen supply and those vital nutrients that the heart needs um, and that heart muscle needs during resuscitation efforts. So when we're enhancing the blood flow to the coronary arteries, 
Epinephrine is essentially increasing the available resources to get the heart tissue by vasoconstriction. So when a patient codes, they inevitably vasodilate. Everything relaxes, which would decrease the blood flow and the resources that are getting to these vital organs, such as your heart tissue. And if there are not enough resources to allow that heart to regain its function, it'll never happen. But on, so like, as we get into the second part of this, because you remember it's alpha and beta receptors that are being stimulated by epinephrine at the same time. So that stimulation of the beta receptors has a slightly different effect. It leads to an increased heart rate and a positive chronotropic effect or enhanced contractility. And you might hear this by saying like a positive inotrope, which means it enhances the strength and the force that the heart is contracting during that cardiac arrest. So it's giving it that capability to squeeze hard when it is going to eventually do it. So let's take a closer look at the aspect of this part of epinephrine. So the heart has specialized muscle fibers that contract to pump blood throughout the body. When the heart contracts forcefully, it generates more pressure, leading to improved blood flow to the vital organs. So epinephrine binds to these beta receptors of the heart's muscle cells. Activation of these receptors triggers a series of intracellular processes that ultimately increase the intracellular calcium concentration within the heart muscle cells. This increased intracellular calcium concentration is crucial because calcium is responsible for the initiation and the regulation of that heart's contraction. So it is what gives us that squeeze. It is what gives those muscles the capability to squeeze. So by increasing the calcium levels, epinephrine enhances the force and the strength of each contraction of the heart. So when we look at this whole process, we're doing CPR. We're giving the epinephrine. So the epinephrine is going in, attaching these receptors. Good CPR is going to help circulate it around because without any CPR, pushing meds into a patient isn't going to do anything. And let's just say a silent little prayer for any patient who has a limited code and they say they want no chest compressions. Like we all know that intubating and giving meds isn't going to get anywhere when you're not actually having that blood flow go around by doing compressions. That's why, I mean, the AHA AHA recommends outside of the hospital that you do do compressions if you're not going to do anything else. We're still providing the resources that are there to the vital organs that you have. So... So as we're doing these good compressions and the epinephrine is floating around, we're attaching these receptors. So it's constricting all the vessels in the heart, I mean around the body, and boosting that available resources to the heart muscle, such as oxygen that needs to do these contractions. And then it's attaching to the beta receptors to have the capability of contracting harder it's giving 
the environment so that when the heart eventually does actually connect that electrical impulse to the squeeze, it's giving the best chance of possibility for ROSCs to happen. So that positive inotropic effect of epinephrine is giving the heart a little extra boost. It helps the heart muscle contract more forcefully, leading to increased blood volume being pumped with each beat. When the heart contracts more forcefully, it can push a greater amount of blood out and into the arteries with each beat. This improves the cardiac output, which in the which is the amount of blood the heart is pumping per minute. This increased cardiac output means more blood is circulating throughout the body, providing oxygen and nutrients to the organ and tissues. Now let's take a side note here and make sure that we understand that the half-life of epinephrine is going to lead to decreased concentrations of that. It's going to come off of those receptors. So we have to be cognizant of the fact that if we do get ROSC, we are going to have some of that enhanced capabilities of the heart and the vasoconstriction after getting ROSC, but those are going to wear off when the epinephrine wears off. So we need to quickly go into that post-ROSC support um, protocol that our institutions we work at have out there so that we can support the patients so they don't code again. Because you can't just get ROSC and then expect it all to be fine and dandy. Those medications we gave to achieve that ROSC are going to wear off. And we'll get into a lot more of them as the series goes on. Um, But in the context of cardiac arrest, when the heart's function has been compromised, these positive inotropic effects of epinephrine are very valuable. They help improve the heart's pumping ability and support those vital organ perfusions during and then post-resuscitation efforts for as long as those medications are there, especially like epinephrine. So it's important to note that while the positive inotropic effects of epinephrine are beneficial during cardiac arrest, there can also be some side effects. I mean, with every medication, there are side effects to that. And most of these are going to help us out. And then some of them won't. So like, it's going to increase our heart rate, which is going to be great because we, like I said, you're going to vasodilate. So that increased heart rate is also going to help improve that um, perfusion by having more blood flowing constantly because of that. Some of the downsides is that the myocardial tissue is going to have an increased oxygen demand because you are asking it to squeeze harder. It's going to require more resources to do that job. And then you're also going to have some potential arrhythmias just because of the epinephrine. Um, Any of us know that if you've had an epinephrine drip going on a patient, you tend to see a lot more excitability of that heart being that it's pumping harder. It's having more resources being used. It's has an increased heart rate, so there's just that irritability to it as well. Therefore, careful monitoring and appropriate dosing 
are essential. You just can't give amp after amp after amp all in a row. You just can't give them five amps in like a minute or something because it's not going to have the same effect. It's going to probably cause a little more detriment than it would for that um, resuscitation effort. So does it make sense why we use epinephrine during cardiac arrest? I mean, I find it actually pretty interesting that epinephrine is able to do so much for us. And I guess this is why it is the duct tape of medications for cardiac arrest and pretty much anything else. I mean, if you, even if you've not known epinephrine that long, you're early on in your nursing journey, you know that if someone has anaphylaxis, you give them epinephrine. If you need that positive inotropic effect, you need someone's heart to pump a little bit better, you're going to put them on an epi drip. You're going to give an amp of epi during the CLS because that's what you've been taught. And it's like epi can do all things and all things can be possible through epi. It sounds a little bit like a sermon, but epinephrine is our go-to for this. And, it's, and it helps us increase that blood flow to those important organs Increasing that coronary, cerebral pressure, perfusion. And I mean, that's why all things are possible with Epi. And like I said at the beginning, we're going to talk about the shockable rhythm. So when we have our VT and V-fib, we still use Epi, but it's more important in those shockable rhythms, such as ventricular fibrillation, pulses, ventricular tachycardia, that epinephrine is often a secondary medication after that initial defibrillation. So it's important to go defib that patient first because that is proven to have a better effect of getting that patient's heart back into a normal rhythm. And since we just learned that some of the possible side effects cause that irritability and can cause potential arrhythmias, that's why we do it in that order. If we can't get it off that initial defibrillation, well, now we need to make sure that we support the heart and get it the resources that we need. And so, like, in those situations, we're giving the support for the conversion of those shockable rhythms back into a normal heart rhythm. It's vasoconstrictive property, this positive inotropic effect, enhanced the effectiveness of subsequent defibrillation attempts after that. However, it is important to note, while epinephrine is utilized in all these types of scenarios, defibrillation remains the cornerstone treatment for shockable rhythms. So prompt defibrillation. Clear. Don't touch the patient. But if you're doing compressions, do them as long as I can until someone says they're about to deliver that shock. These are the steps for crucial Intervention to get those ROSC back for that patient. Understanding the role of epinephrine and cardiac arrest empowers us as nurses and nurses like you to make informed decisions during resuscitation efforts. And this is why we're here, the Pulseback Society. The Pulseback Project helps you in understanding these decisions and making quick and decisive clinical decisions that are crucial for your patients. So I 
ask you, like I do in every episode, join us over at thepulsebackproject.com. That is P-U-L-S-E-B-A-Q project.com. And get involved with the Pulseback Society community. Whether you're just there to learn through these podcasts, whether you're there to meet other people that are like-minded and have this passion for resuscitation or this passion to get better in those critical moments, the community for just $2 a month will get you a monthly patient case scenario packet that comes with a wealth of information, a patient scenario of all different kinds of these crucial events. And these packets guide you in your development in these crucial moments to, so that you too can become unstoppable by design. And the Pulse Back Society is here to help you. Remember to follow us on Spotify, share with your friends. Please fulfill Feel free to provide any feedback or suggestions for future episodes. Um, you can send an email to me over at thepulsebackproject.com. Our medication mini-series will explore all the medications we use during code situations. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I look forward to seeing you in the next one.